As parents, we need to be more involved in the educational process of our children. Welcome to Chalk Talk with your host, Eric Hamilton. The three pillars of Eric's approach to parent engagement are academics, accountability, and advocacy, which empower parents to better support success at the child, school, and system level. And now, here is Eric Hamilton. Hello, America and listeners around the world. My name is Eric Hamilton, and tonight I have what I think is and will be my best show of all of the Chalk Talk series. For new listeners, um, tonight's show, um, I have a weekly show that I talk about educational-related topics. Uh, the premise of this show is parent engagement, which is an, a concept that was created, um, I'd say, probably in the early 2000s um, from two pioneers. And Dr. Karen Mapp and Dr. Joyce Epstein uh, from the School of Education at John Hopkins University and Harvard University. Uh these two giants uh, were the first to begin laying the groundwork for reaching parents and talking about parents and getting parents involved. And having met them, uh, spoken with them, and actually taken some of their um, presentations to heart, I came up with an idea in order to create Chalk Talk, which is a internet-based radio show that is interactive and it allows for parents to be able to go back and listen to previous shows. And much of the much of the the conversations that I've had on this show, uh, you can go to voiceamerica.com, look click on the empowerment channel and you can see uh, the listing of the different shows and different topics that I've done. And you will also have a chance to listen to the very latest show. Tonight's title is The Future of American Public Education. As I began to put this show together, I started thinking about many of the topics that I've talked about in the past. And I really want to end uh, the Chalk Talk series as I get closer to drawing down the Chalk Talk series, I really want to go and start looking into the future. I also want to evolve as a radio talk show personality because I believe that there is a market for parent engagement, for for talking about parenting issues. And I want to do something that I've never done before. I want to get into a particular area which for a lot of reasons and a lot of times have been off limits for someone like myself. Someone myself being a educator of approximately 10 years, public education, uh, charter school movements, um, graduate student, internship, different types of programs. Uh, I have a lot of experience, but what I'm going to talk about tonight would perhaps be considered the final frontier the final frontier in education, and that is educational policy. That is public policy. Public policy is the final frontier because as I begin to put two and two together, if you have noticed, most of my shows have been around trying to help the parents, trying to give parents hands-on advice, trying to give parents some ability to help solve some of the challenges that are faced inside of the classroom. And I believe that there is a space for that type of talk. As I've been doing my research, I have come to some strong conclusions that perhaps, perhaps, those of us who have been listening to me for a while, perhaps we're looking at this educational um, this e- educational riddle from the wrong direction. Perhaps we are simply receiving what has been put in motion from other entities, other powers, other like-minded interests, individuals. Is it, is it possible that maybe we are simply dealing with a reactionary type environment, meaning 
students, teachers, parents, administrators, we're simply reacting to things that have been put in motion by individuals that we don't know, by individuals that we can't see at board meetings. Is it possible? Is it possible that perhaps the real fight, the real struggle around parent engagement should perhaps leave the classroom and it should go to our policymakers. So I'm going to talk about the future of American public education. As I begin to listen and look at all of the many opinions that are out there, it becomes clear to me that the public has not been really adequately prepared for what's going on in public education right now. As I pursue and look at different avenues, I begin to wonder, is the policymakers, do the policymakers really know the effect and the impact of their policies? Or do they simply just operate in a vacuum? So tonight I want to talk about a dark, dark fear that I have, which I'm starting to realize is coming true, that public education as we know it, It's actually in the hands of few. It's actually in the hands of our politicians. If you remember my many conversations from my my books, I talk about how important it is for us to keep a perspective around what you can do as a parent. So, I want to get into talking about public education. So when I say public education, there's a concept. I am the product of a public education, meaning that taxpayer dollars off of the sale of homes, off of the hard earned work of individuals go into this huge pot of money that then gets redistributed into society in order to pay for things like teachers, in order to pay for buildings, in order to pay for the many, many supplies that it takes in order to run a public school. The public education would mean that despite your background, despite whether you're economically sound or you're going through economic hardship, there was a teacher, there was a faculty member, there was some type of educational plan that was prepared for you. Public education. Growing up, we've always had conversations around, uh, should should we uh, look at public education or is it perhaps private education was better? I remember many uh, of some of my friends who actually left some of uh, the public education and would go to the private schools and we would talk about their experiences and how their experiences were different. But tonight, I want to truly talk about what it is to go to a public education uh, school and the future. As I look into public education and I start to research and I start to figure out that despite me seeing things on the ground level, despite the hard work that goes into providing for a solid day's work, Despite the lesson planning that teachers do, despite the the tough conversations that administrators must have, the meals that are prepared by, prepared by the cafeteria staff, the custodial work, despite all of the hard work that these individuals do on a day-to-day basis, it becomes apparent to me that the individuals at the top of the food chain, the politicians are the ones that truly make the decision in order to determine the quality, and notice I said that, the quality of public education. And when I think about that, I really become afraid because I lack the trust that politicians will do the best thing in the interest of children. I doubt that they have the competency in order to how to effectively run a school. So I wanna talk about and put out a premise tonight that I would love for reactions, I would love for individuals um, uh, to get their feedback. And I also am going to talk about four states. I did some research for four states tonight. So if you're in the great state of North Carolina, I'm going to talk about public education. If you're in the state of Florida, 
Pennsylvania, as well as Arizona. I specifically chose those because if you want to take an idea of the future of public education, you need to look into those states. If you want to have the ability to look into your crystal ball to figure out what will happen 50 years from now, 20, uh, 30 years from now, what will happen in the year 2030? There are a lot of individuals who are looking into how will public education change? What will be the source of it? Are we currently in the midst of a change? And maybe we're not even aware of it. So it's really important for us to keep our mindset focused around how do we stay on tack with this particular topic. So what I would like to do before I go into this interesting information, I would like to take my first break a little bit early, but I would like to take my break so that when I come back, we'll have a chance to have another conversation around the future of public education. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. Start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at choctalkradio.xyz. That's eric at choctalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. All right, I am back. And I am ready to get into this particular topic. This is, I think, one of the most exciting topics that I've had a chance to to talk about. Um, We were discussing the future of public education, meaning if we were to look out into our crystal ball to figure out what will public education look like. And if you do a lot of research, you will see that not a lot of experts Those in the field of educational policy, those that are actually a part of the day-to-day operations, many individuals, myself included, look into the future and what we see is a system that will not meet the needs of the American population. It will not meet the needs of stimulating provoking curiosity, teaching skill-based content, and providing the bridge in order to get students from kindergarten in order into college. I don't see that as a component. 
what I do see is this incredible, incredible emphasis on costs. And what's at stake is the American mind. What's at stake is the American creative mind. Those are the things that are at stake. So I want to talk about and I want to put out there this idea that I've been reading about some very, very prominent individuals. Um, someone, a gentleman by the name of Bill Gates of the Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation. I want to talk about another gentleman by the name of Mark Zuckerberg and his um, interesting impact that he has had on public education and what's going on. I also want to address how this trend of this future, what will college look like? What will higher education look like? Who will be in the classroom? Where will the funds come from in order to pay for college? That's a very, very scary idea in terms of how are things going to look in the future and where are these fears based off? Are they irrational fears or are they based upon much of the information that I'm going to present tonight? I want to start one with talking about uh, the great state of Florida. According to research study by the educational policies, uh, uh, there is a a move uh, entitled Florida Total State Budget Cuts Pre-K Education by $1 billion. Florida has cut more than $1 billion from education in its new budget, uh, and this was done in the year 2013, 20, I'm sorry, 2013-2014, almost by 8%. That translates to a loss of $542 per student. Florida ranks first amongst states in public education tax dollars, wait for it, being spent and sent to private schools. The state redirects 22, I'm sorry, $229 million per year through vouchers and corporate tax credit programs. So let me see if I can translate that for you. Public dollars are being used in order to fund private institutions. Public dollars, tax dollars that individuals generate off of property taxes are now being spent in order to subsidize those individuals that would like to go to a private institution. When you think about that, how, and that's just in one state, how can a state like Florida, which is a, a fairly wealthy state, how can public education survive? Who is the advocate at that level? Remember the three A's that I'm constantly talking about. I'm always talking about the academics. I'm always talking about the accountability. How do we hold our teachers accountable, our school systems accountable? And the last, how do we advocate? So when I look at this, who is the advocate? Who is that person that makes the long political speeches that empowers individuals to say, hey, what about public education? What about this institution called public education? So if you look at um, in the state of Florida, you'll see that Florida has cut $20 million in funding for pre-K programs. And that's about $180 per every fourth uh, four-year-old in the state. They've taken this money away. And we know that pre-K programs are a huge asset in order to get kids that perhaps are near the poverty line. They are critical in order to get individuals ready and prepared for first grade and kindergarten. However, the great state of Florida has decided that that funding needs to be removed. So if you go online and you look up uh, these new cuts, and these cuts continue to grow at the federal and at the state level, which is really scary uh, because how can the system as we know it, the public school system, survive? How will it be able to sustain itself if it is constantly, constantly being cut when it becomes necessary for funding? Uh, let's go to the great state of Arizona. 
Uh, the write-up on Arizona says, yes, it can get worse. Arizona is a cut king, second to only to California on slashing the most from educational spending per pupil. So they talk about um, Arizona has cut $183 million from the K-12 through educational uh, program in 2013. Arizona ranks sixth amongst states with the amount of public school funding being cut to private schools. There we go again. Being funneled to private schools. The state has redirected $61 million, that's $61 million per year, through individual, corporate, and other kinds of tax programs. So why is there an emphasis to take tax dollars and take those tax dollars and simply move them, or as this particular article would suggest, funnel them to private institutions? Why is that happening? How will those private, why are those private institutions receiving the money? Usually those are are places where uh, the funding uh, has been contributed based on wealthy individuals who decide that they want their child to go to a private school. What about the public schools? What's happening with the public schools? In the state of Arizona, you will see early childhood education eliminated. Um, you will see that in many places, the kindergarten programs are actually being eliminated. You will see statewide, numerous elementary and middle schools are closing. Now, if you've listened to my show before, you'll know that uh, this concept of middle school uh, is a very expensive proposition, very expensive proposition. However, many of these, uh, the impacts of closing these schools, uh, these budget cuts are having unbelievable impacts. Uh, In the... Uh, Vail area in Arizona, high school classes are now rising from 24 to 29 students to 32 to 35 students, which at some point you hit what they say is the legal limit, which I actually laugh at because I've had in several of my classes and I've known I, I read online from other teachers who say that Oftentimes, uh, students, uh, the school systems will put students into these unbelievably high populations where you have close to 40 students in the classroom. So you have pre-K is starting to lose funding. You will see in some places where the kindergarten programs are actually being eliminated. You see class uh, schools are actually being consolidated. You will see class sizes included. Uh, increase. And then with the curriculum. So here's how it affects the curriculum. Statewide in the state of Arizona, programs that fund career and technical education for ninth graders. So those are your vocational art programs. They have been eliminated. Um, The other one is, and this is the ones that unfortunately always seem to get cut. The arts, music, physical education, and library services. Those are always the first um, at the high school level to be eliminated. And then last but not least, you will have at the elementary school level, you will have uh, the arts as well as the music programs. So you hear and you see these things and you hear some teachers across the country who, who let their disgust be known. They go to board meetings. They Uh, do all these things, but we wonder why. Why are these budgets being eliminated? And I don't know if the media has done a decent job to educate and to get us to the point where we're understanding why. Why are these cuts happening? Why are the cuts then or now the money is being shifted into what we would call private institutions? So we've talked about uh, what's going on in Arizona. We've talked about what's going on in Florida. Let's go to uh, another disturbing trend. There is 
at the higher ed level. So the higher ed level would be the college level. This would be uh, many of the universities across the country. So as I began to do research for what's going on at the higher end level, so I've noticed, I went and I did some research around the, uh, there's actually an article by the Washington Post that talked about the number of part-time faculties. So a part-time faculty at a college level would be an individual who perhaps may have one or two or three classes that may work every other day. They may work in the evenings. Uh, Typically, those positions that are part-time do not come with medical benefits. So in 1975, they took a a poll of the number of part-time positions uh, were 32%. In 2005, that number has actually gone up. I'm sorry. Yes, 2005, that number has actually gone up to 48%. What is going on at the higher end level? What's going on? Well, what seems to be going on is that many, many schools now, colleges, are starting to adapt what they call personalized learning. Personalized learning is this idea that we're now going to move to online education because online education, economically, just what we see in the retail business is actually changing away Americans view their education. Now you have individuals who now say, who see that it is cheaper to pay a part-time individual to work online to provide the same quality of education and yet still charge as if the student was going to the school every day. This term called personalized learning was actually really put out there by Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, who spoke about it, who wrote a letter uh, in 2015 as he talked about what his hopes and visions were at the birth of his first child. And he talked about this personalized learning and what it is and what it looks like. And if you've noticed over the last six or seven years at the higher ed level, and you'll see how it goes back to public education, that there has been an increase in the number of online programs. Why? Because online programs are very, very profitable for institutions. They're very, very, very profitable. So it's really important to say, hmm, is it possible that in the next 20 to 30 years that school systems will now start moving towards the same model where things will be done online, where we will pay non-credentialed, non-certified teachers the ability to work part-time in a school system? to manage individuals who spend most of their time on a computer? Is that possible? Well, we currently have much of American population are very much drawn to computers. We have a lot of digital textbooks, which are now starting to replace regular hard, uh, hardbound copy textbooks. And we have this culture now that is making it more and more acceptable for individuals to get PhDs online. Uh, there is a, a master's degree of legal studies. Individuals that want to work in the legal field but may not necessarily want to go to law school. There are several different amazing industries now where universities are starting to realize Again, just as it is in the, in the retail business where now people would rather stay at home, surf on the Internet, order what they want to order and have those products delivered to them. That same model might be the model of the future. Is it possible that students will be able to go online and receive the same education as opposed to going to schools? Is that a possibility? Well, we have to look at what's going on now. And as I look and as I do research, I start to wonder, hmm, is this going to be the future? 
because school systems are very, very expensive. And as we know, the computer world is changing how we do business. So when you have a chance, you definitely want to make sure that you really understand what this term called personalized learning. Go online, look uh, that term up, and you'll see that there is now becoming a push to really get students to self-lead themselves, to self-lead their discovery process, to be able to learn online, to be able to take the computer and learn much of this information because it's already starting to be established. Now, there's the socialization piece, which is unfortunately a risk uh, that you want to be able to get students to interact. You want them to be able to deal with conflict. You want them to be able to deal with the social pressures, the struggles. Uh, those Those are the added benefits that public education does provide. However, it becomes very clear to me that public education is in trouble because the costs dictate much of what goes on. So when you look at those things and you look at the rising costs, you look at the rising costs of, uh, I did a show on the student debt situation. I also did a show around technology. When you start putting two and two together, it sets up for a great opportunity for people down the road, the educational policy people, the people who make the decisions, the people who influence the politicians in order to react. It really becomes an interesting proposition. What will education look like in the future? How will it shape what we think? What will it do? How will we interact? Are we currently there and we may not know it, but is there another component that's going to eventually take us to this particular level? So you look at individuals like Bill Gates, you look at individuals like Mark Zuckerberg, you look at all of these individuals and you begin to wonder why do so many of these wealthy individuals play such a, a major role in public education? Why are they doing this? Um, let's take another state. <clears throat> let's take the great state of Pennsylvania. Another example. When you look at what's going on in Pennsylvania, I think Pennsylvania really is this state, uh, as I did my research, and you could see what's going on in Pennsylvania might be a blueprint for tomorrow's education. Pennsylvania state political leadership passed and adopted new budgets They cut $851 million from public schools. Pennsylvania ranks seventh among states with funds being sent again to private education. To private education. The state redirects approximately $52 million per year through various tax credit programs. That's a significant, large amount of money. How creative can school cuts be? So when you examine the $851 million that are taken from public schools and sent to private schools, the question that I ask, where is the advocate for public education? What, how, how can a public school survive? How can a public school survive with cuts that deep? I also ask, where is the media to cover this? Why is this not an engaging story? Many of those individuals who come, who participate, who work, oftentimes are products of these public schools but we don't see the stories, we don't hear the stories. Let's look at, uh, so there seems to be a pattern here. The pattern in these cuts, it affects definitely in four areas. One, early childhood. Second, the size of the class. Third, a well-rounded curriculum. 
A well-rounded curriculum means that it offers individuals the ability to be competitive. One of the great things that I could say about my dear alma mater, University of Georgia, is that they prepared me to be well-rounded. They prepared me with a liberal arts background. They prepared me to be able to fit in, to socialize, to interact with different people with different type of topics. And I appreciate that. Um, and then the last one is that when you have what we, what the schools call a special program. So if you look at what's going on in the great state of Pennsylvania, it becomes obvious. Four school districts have had to cut kindergarten. Approximately um, seven pre-K programs have been reduced. And for major cities like the city of Philadelphia, they've actually had to cut a full day of kindergarten. Now, why does that matter so much? Again, because as we have talked on this show, if you have the ability to do something to increase a child's learning, whether it be assessing, getting their reading scores up, getting their reading comprehension level, the the pre-K area is critically important because you have until the third or fourth grade in order to get those scores where they should be. Um, it's the same trend everywhere you go. The pre-K program gets cut. The class sizes seem to increase. The curriculum is affected. Electives are cut at the high school level. Music, art, physical education are cut. Third grade reading programs are also cut. And this is coming from the legislature. This is coming from the policy people. So it's really, really important that as parents, we stay on top. We learn how to be advocates. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk about the advocacy piece. Now that we have all of this information, what do we do with it? And are we truly looking at the future of public education? We'll take our break and come back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Empowerment Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. That's eric at chalktalkradio.xyz. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Chalk Talk. Uh, tonight, 
I am talking about the future of American public education. And unfortunately, America, I don't have many positive things to project. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, None of the policymakers have a crystal ball. I am simply responding to much of the information that has been put out. I'm simply responding to make a prediction or to give us an insight by looking critically at what's going on now, by looking at trends, by looking at how there's such an emphasis on online education. Now you have major universities that are now changing their their business model in order to adapt because this ability to interact online, this ability to use incredible technologies like Skype is changing the face of education. Um, What we've talked about tonight, there are a lot of parallels that you see what's going on on why so many stores are going out of business. So many stores, stores that I grew up going to, like a sports authority, like a circuit city, many of these major, major retails are struggling to survive. Why? Because the internet makes it incredibly affordable to simply not get out of your chair and order pretty much what you want. So you have to wonder if that same model is going to be the face of public education in the future. As our tax bases dwindle, as people are not in a position to be able, and I think my dear city of Atlanta, Georgia, the school systems down there, Atlanta, city of Atlanta public schools as well as Fulton County public schools, are starting to feel what happens when tax dollars are not collected. They're having to furlough teachers. They're, they're having to make huge adjustments. So I wonder if this is the future of public education. The last state that I want to talk about, and then I want to talk about uh, another individual that's playing a huge role, and then I want to direct everyone's attention uh, to a city that is worth talking about, because I think this city is the future, perhaps the future of America. When you look at the state of, of North Carolina, North Carolina uh, is faced with incredible demand for education and state Uh, and states cut supply. So according to my research, uh, the state ranks 47th in spending per uh, per pupil. This year, the North Carolina legislature passed a bill for the first time that allows the state to spend tax dollars. It allows, again, the same trend. What is this trend in American politics that says it's okay to take public dollars to send to private schools? They passed a bill that allows to spend public dollars, to send public dollars to private schools for families of special needs, special needs, students. That's a whole nother topic. What's going on in the great state of North Carolina, approximately $800 million has been slashed from a school budget. I submit to you those individuals how will a public institution survive when $800 million are being slashed? How is that possible? Again, the same areas where they are consistently cutting. Early childhood education, approximately $16 million, that's 20% of the budget, have been eliminated for pre-K education programs. Class sizes. They eliminated approximately 13,000 jobs that deem themselves as an educator. Those are individuals that have credentials. Those are individuals who are degrees, degreed individuals. Again, third area of cut. It's always in the curriculum. The great state of North Carolina slashed $92.2 million from textbook purchasing meaning textbooks are on their way out. Everything is going to go digital. 
everything is going to be streamlined for accommodating computers and technology. $42 million has been eliminated from the budget for instructional material purchasing. Those are all of the things that educators request in order to do their jobs, the construction paper for the small kids, the whiteboards for the technology, the chart papers, the, the crayons, the all of the supplementary things that defines what teachers do, those budgets have been eliminated. And then the last one, special programs. So many urban systems have what they call a special program budget. It might be a parent engagement piece. It might be a a program that deals with uh, prevention around teenage pregnancy. There might be a bullying component. There may be some kind of extra program. Well, the great state of North Carolina eliminated $13.3 million from the dropout prevention program. Those are programs that specifically target seniors based on attendance, based on grades, based on social work referrals. Those are programs that have been eliminated. So those staffs, staffing individuals who work there are no longer in that particular role. So when you do an investigation, it becomes apparent to me that there is a trend that's going on in this country. Don't take my word for it. Look up these individual states or do the research in your own state and you will see that there is a trend in American politics today which drastically reduce the effectiveness of public education. Now, with the time that I have remaining, I have saved this for a a particular point of discussion. One of the things that I've noticed is when Common Core was introduced, and yes, I did a show on Common Core, one of the things that becomes apparent for the first time in the American educational system where the majority of the um, students are students of color, meaning they are a minority. This is the first time under Common Core, which again, we've talked about, Common Core places a huge responsibility on removing the critical thinking skills, and more on the application. They are applying a lot more thought around getting young people ready for work environment, career readiness programs, being able to perform specific job tasks. There has been a a less of an emphasis on reading the classics, There has been less of an emphasis around the college pursuits. Now it is more around the work pursuit. And I would suggest individuals like a Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation. If you simply do the research, and that could be a whole nother show. If you do the research around the amount of money that Bill Gates has spent through his foundation, He effectively has bought Common Core into the United States American educational system. He has influenced it on so many levels. You have to wonder, why would a guy spend billions of dollars in order to create an educational system for individuals who go to public schools? Why would an individual do that? Well, I think you need to look at it. Perhaps there is an interest in order to get young people ready to work. Perhaps there is an interest to get individuals to go from this mindset of career readiness or or college readiness into this idea of being able to work to support much of what corporations do, which is simply make money and make business decisions. So, 
We take all of this information tonight and we wonder what will public education look like? How will it impact you? The only thing that I can tell you is, is that it's important for us to pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to the trends. Always look out for what will happen tomorrow. If you have the opportunity, show up to a board meeting, sit in and listen. Pay attention to the trends that's going on. The last thing that I will talk about is the role of educational policy. And I sit and I wonder and I always am reading about what those individuals are always thinking. What is their vision of public education? How do they see public education tomorrow? Parents, it is up for us to keep the idea of public education public. It is up to us in order to use our political voice as well as our physical voices at board meetings in order to say, do not destroy public education. Do not destroy this institution. Because if you take a look at what's happening, it becomes apparent that there is a shift in the thinking of those individuals who call themselves leaders in order to shift what's going on. At Chalk Talk, Chalk Talk was designed in order to do three things, to educate you, to empower you, and to inspire you, to go out, get involved, and participate. So it's really important for you as a parent to stay on top of your task and your duties and your responsibilities Always go back, listen to the different shows, and try to figure out, do you have a scope? Do you have a grasp on the direction of public education? Until next week, keep going, keep pressing, and I hope to hear from you next week. Take care. you again for joining us for Chalk Talk. Please join Eric Hamilton again next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more of everything that parents should know about school.